Welcome to the LifeGate Podcast. Our vision is changing lives in a changing culture with the unchanging truth. Our prayer is that these weekly messages will inspire you to life change through the principles found in God's Word. Let's join in for this week's message. All right, so as you saw, if you're new with us today, I am not the senior pastor, so please come back next time, okay? It's going to be much better, I swear, so make sure that you're here. Pastor Chad is awesome. Make sure you come and check it out again, um, but I love getting the opportunity to speak on Sundays. It's it's such it's a change of pace for me to speak to adults. I love my teenagers, but adults are cool too, I guess, um, And so, uh, but I get a chance to speak to adults, and so it's awesome, and so... This morning, God has really laid a topic on my heart. Um, Pastor Chad did something really scary, and he said, you can preach on whatever you want to talk about. And I said, are you sure? Uh, and he said, yeah. So um, this morning, the, what I want to talk about isn't, isn't something that is popular with us. Not that it's like a bad topic or like a downer, but it's just not something that we like to do very often, and it's on just waiting waiting on God and what that looks like. And if we're honest, none of us like to wait. We don't like to wait for anything. We don't like to wait on anyone. Uh, how many, never mind, I won't do that. I was going to make you raise your hands if you're late because you're waiting on somebody. That will start a fight. So don't, don't raise your hand. Uh, but it's, it, I mean, we get so frustrated if we have to wait. If we have to wait in traffic, we have to wait on a red light. You know, we have to wait on the microwave. You know, all of that kind of stuff. We want things to be instant. We want things to be now. And our culture's even that way. I think I saw my first Christmas commercial in, like, August uh, because they're trying to rush the next season, trying to rush the next thing on you. Um, and then even for some of you guys, if you're honest, most of you, a lot of you, me included, did not even wait till after Halloween to start listening to Christmas music. Yeah, some of you are, you're like, yeah, yeah, that's me. Uh, that's okay. That's okay. Can I see some hands so I can feel better about myself? You already have your Christmas decorations up. There it is. My people in the house. Okay. I just like, people don't understand. I just like to decorate the same for Thanksgiving and Christmas. It just makes it easier. Okay. Uh, and so I, I love Christmas. I love this time of year. So don't get me wrong. Um, but, and even on Thanksgiving, even on Thanksgiving, we don't like to wait on the food. Nobody likes to wait on the food. We just get frustrated when we have to wait on the food. And then even if you think about it, this is just seems that my family does this. We've got like 20, 30 people that usually come to the house for Thanksgiving. I don't know who most of them are because... My mom is just has Southern hospitality just in her blood. And so if she just sees anyone that looks like they don't have a place to be there, she's like, why don't y'all just come on over? You know, like, there's enough, I swear. And I'm like, well, not enough for if I want leftovers, you know. And so... uh and so, I mean, she just, our house is full. And so you have to wait in line to eat. So that's already one part. Um, you know, and the elderly people got to go first, you know, grandparents, you know, and all that stuff. And so we, you have to wait in line for food. Luckily enough, the line's kind of long. And so before you get to the main food, there's like cheese cubes. And so I don't even, I'm like, are these supposed to go on the plate or just straight to my mouth? Because I, but anyway, uh, it, we, and then my family does this. I don't, maybe your family does too, but. Thanksgiving dinner or lunch is usually at like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. And I don't, because that is the most frustrating part of the day to have to eat. You know what I mean? Like, you're have, I've been hungry since we started cooking the day before. And now you're making me wait through breakfast, really through lunch. And now I'm supposed to eat in this weird time at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. No thanks. Like, don't expect there to be any rolls left because I've already started, you know. 
And, and we do, we make people wait, and then we wonder why there's so many fights at Thanksgiving. And it's because you made them all come hungry. They're already mad before they even got there. They're starving and hungry, which just makes this combination of just angry. And we've made them wait till like two o'clock. And, you know, we just, it, the whole idea of waiting is just frustrating. Having to wait on anything because we just want things to be right now. We want it to be right now. There's even this trend that's going across the internet as it always happens across social media where teenagers and, and kids are texting their mom um, how long it takes to microwave a 25-pound turkey. So maybe some of you guys have seen this. Um, and the thing is, the thing is, is that moms are like, you know what? I'll believe anything now. You know, they're just buying straight into it. They're like, like screaming through a text message. You're going to kill your whole family. Don't do not do not microwave a turkey. But we just we want things right now. We want things right now. We have this microwave mentality of, of life and we want it quickly. And so there's different seasons of life that we're in. And some of us, we find ourselves in a period of waiting. And the problem with that is, is if all you do is see it as a period of waiting, even though God has placed you there, you'll easily be frustrated. If all you see it as is you're just in a period of waiting, you're just going to stay frustrated. So we have to determine what that season is. We have to determine what the season is going to be. Because if you don't determine what the season is going to be, it's going to be determined for you. And it's just going to stay this waiting period where you're just, you're just frustrated. And so we've got to learn to make the most of those times. Don't just see it as, well, I'm just waiting. I'm just waiting on God to move. I'm just waiting on the next thing. But what you have to understand is that in a relationship with God, that waiting season still needs you to be active. Like it still requires you to put in action with that. And so we're going to look through a a few things here. There's four seasons, not the hotel. There's four seasons that we're going to look at here uh, that we're, that I want to help us out with that hopefully it'll help you maybe even look at the season that you're in right now. If you'd say that you're in a waiting season to help kind of identify it a little bit better. And so the first one that we're going to look at is a season of growing is a season of growing. And the whole point behind this is, is for us to have just a different perspective on these waiting seasons and realizing that, realizing that it's not a waiting season. There's so much for you to do during that season other than just wait. And if all we do is wait, then we're going to miss out on what God really had for us during that season. And so the first one is growing, a growing season, growing in our knowledge of who God is and how he wants to use us not only in the next season, which we often do, but in the current season that we're in. How does he want us to grow in the current season that we're in? How does he want to use us in the current season, not just the next season? In 1 Timothy 4.13, Paul is talking to Timothy here, and he says, Until I come, devote yourself to public reading of the scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. He doesn't just say, you know, just, you know, just wait, wait till I get there and then start doing these things. Wait till, you know, wait till you're a little bit more mature. Wait till you know how to do this stuff a little bit more. Wait till you're a little bit better at it. And then when I get there, I'll help you with it. He says, before I even get there, before I get there, until I come, devote yourself to public reading of the scripture, to exhortation, to teaching. So what this is trying to say right here, I feel like God really impresses on my heart, is saying, look, don't just wait till the next season to to begin walking in the will of God. Start now. Start in the season that you're currently in, because if you wait until you feel like you're grown enough, you'll never get there. 
If you wait until you feel like, man, I have to, I have to reach a potential. I have to reach a certain playing field before I can do what God wants me to do. I'm going to have to get to a certain place when in reality, God is saying, just start, just start. And during this season of starting, I will grow you. Because if you just treat it as a season of waiting, then nothing will ever come of it. Nothing will ever come of it. So use this as a season to begin to start doing what I've called you to do. Even though you don't feel like you're ready, begin to do it. Step out in faith. And through that, I will grow you. Through that, I will make you better. Through that, I will help you to do what I've called you to do in the first place, even better than you thought you could. So rather than just seeing it as I'm just going to wait until God finally says I'm where I need to be, then we're going to we're going to start moving now instead because this is this is when I was in college, you know, I went to college to be a pastor. I went to college to, to be a pastor. I wanted to be in ministry full time. And one year went by after I graduated high school and I didn't feel like I was ready. Another year went by and I didn't feel like I was ready. And then I, you know, went to Bible college first year went by, second year went by, another year I started working at the church, but I wasn't in like full-time ministry, still didn't feel like I was ready. And what I realized is that I'm never going to feel like I'm ready. I'm never going to feel like I'm ready. I've been in ministry training for four years now. And if I still don't feel like I'm ready, then I'll never feel that way. I'll never feel that way. So I just have to begin to take a step begin to take a step. And even if I fumble through the first parts of it, God is going to continue to allow me to grow through that and teach me how to be better on the other side. The second thing that we want to look at here is a season of learning, a season of learning. And what's important here is that we learn how to cope with success and failure and how to worship God in both. Learn how to cope with success, learn how to cope with failure, and learn how to worship God in both of those seasons. And, and that learning time is so, so important. It's so important because a lot of times we find our season, or ourselves in a season of learning because of a failure. That's where we find ourselves a lot of time. If we're in a season of learning, it's probably because we've had a failure. And the thing is, is that you can either just see your failures as a loss, or you can decide to, to transform them into a lesson on how you can learn to be better and grow in your relationship with God, to do what God's called you to do on the next level, because you saw where you messed up, and now you know how to fix it. Now you know how to be better. Now you know how to partner with God and allow him to plug all the holes in your life so that you can be filled by him. And it's important for us to understand that. Not to be wrapped up in the fact, well, I messed up, well, I made a mistake, you know, and, and, I, and I, don't know how to, I don't know how to measure up. I don't know how to get better. I just, I just see myself, I see the failure. And when we just stare at the failure, then that becomes our identity. When we just see that, man, look at my mistake, look at my failure. And when that's all we look at, it slowly becomes how we identify ourselves as a failure. And God has not created you to be a failure. That's not how he's designed you. He's designed you to have victory through a relationship with him. So when you mess up, when you do have moments where you don't feel quite so successful, look at where you're at in your failures and how can we grow through that? Because I know personally, I found myself in seasons of learning because of a failure. And so I had to determine, am I going to stay in this season as a failure or am I going to turn it into a season of learning so that I can move into the next season where God wants me to be? Where God really wants me to be. Um, there's a verse here in Romans in chapter 5 
that I want to read here that really it speaks to this whole idea. So in Romans 5, verse 3 through 5, it says, We rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not put us to shame. Because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, who has been given to us. So our sufferings, we choose how we, how we see that. We choose how we see that. You know, we always talk about, you know, that we need to rejoice during our sufferings, but we also have to rejoice in our successes. Because what happens is a lot of times, and it's amazing how, how many times we do this, that we don't rejoice during our successes. We don't praise God for what he did. We don't worship God during our successful seasons of life. We just look at what we did. And when we just focus on what we did, we end up in a season of suffering. And when we don't know how to rejoice and to praise God in a season of success, we definitely won't be able to in a season of suffering. And so being willing to worship God in both seasons is so important. And understanding that maybe you, you might be in a season of suffering right now. You might be in a season of frustration because of a failure. And that is okay. It is okay. Just because you made a mistake doesn't mean that you are a mistake. And that's what we do so many times. We made a mistake, so we are a mistake. And that messes with us. It messes with us and it hinders us from doing what God wants us to do. It hinders us from following in his footsteps and chasing after the trail that he has for us. But if we would be willing to say, you know what? Yes, I did have a failure. I am suffering, but I'm going to choose to rejoice in that. You see what happens. We rejoice in our sufferings knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance through that produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame. Anytime we're going through a season of suffering, the one thing that we want in the very beginning is hope that it's going to be all right. We want hope. So you see how it starts there. And it works its way to hope. So if we would be willing to realize that... Even in, even in our season of suffering, we rejoice. We rejoice. Even in a season of failure, we rejoice because we can say, you know what? I did mess up, but now I know what I need to do to chase in my relationship with God, to be closer to him so that I can be better. If you never have any failures, then we never grow. Because odds are, if you never fail, you're not trying anything big enough. So being willing to step out into the unknown and possibly fail is okay. It's better than just staying in one success after another. But being willing to, to say, you know what? I don't know what's here and I might fall along the way. God's okay with that. But for some reason, we have it in our mind that he is not. We have it in our mind that God says that, that failure is not an option when in reality, failure has to be an option. Failure, we have to be okay with failure. We can't stay down. We have to learn to get back up. But we have to be okay with trying things, knowing that there is potential that we could mess up. But in the season that it will land us in, we can learn. We can learn. Sometimes there's some of us, and I myself, I'm that way myself sometimes, is that I'm really hard-headed, and I don't learn from other people's mistakes. So I have to fail on my own so that I can learn. So God understands that. So when you fail, when you mess up and you find yourself in a season of learning because of a failure, don't get frustrated. Don't get frustrated. Understand that God has you there for a reason. He has you there for a purpose. So begin to discover that purpose. Okay, God, I know that I'm here. 
I know that I'm in this place. I know that I'm frustrated, I'm angry, I'm hurt because of my own failures. Now teach me how to be better. Teach me how to be better. So in that season, draw close to him so that he can, he can teach you, so that you can learn. So on the other side, yeah, you may fail again, but you're not going to fail at what you failed at before because you're doing life different. You're doing life different. So be okay with the season of learning. Be okay with that because God wants to teach you so much. The next thing that we want to look at here, and this can become something that gets really boring for us, is a season of preparing. A season of preparing, and unfortunately, we do get bored with this pretty quick, but preparing ourselves spiritually, mentally, and physically for the next season. So during the season that we're in, we're preparing ourselves to be better in the next season. Being willing to do the boring part so that God can do extravagant things in the next part. But we get we get frustrated because I'm like, God, what I'm doing right now is so mundane, but he wants to do miraculous things, so we have to be willing to do the mundane. We have to be willing to say, you know what, yes, this is boring. Yes, this isn't exactly what I thought it would be, but I'm going to continue to do it. And unfortunately, the thing that we get most bored with is the thing that's the most important. And you've heard this a million times, and I've said it a million times, and I've failed at this a million times. And I always come back, and I'm always like, God, what I feel so apart from you. And he's like, well, Colton, remember that thing you've heard a thousand times? Pray and read your Bible. I can't tell you how many times I neglect that, and I realize, you know what, God, I've got to be closer to you. I've got to be closer to you. Every single time I neglect that part of my life because it seems mundane, because I feel like I've done it before. I've done it a hundred times. Why do I need to do it again? It's all a part of the foundation of our relationship with God. So we have to be willing to prepare or we'll never be ready for what he really wants to do. We have to be ready to prepare. So if we're not, if we're not willing to do that, to dive into that part that seems like, man, I've done this a hundred times. I've done this over and over and over again. So for you, I just want you to take a second. I want you to just take a moment. Wherever you are in your life, what is your calling with God look like? What does it look like? And we all can do some evaluation here. Because it doesn't matter if you feel like you're too old to dream or if you're too young to fulfill it. Or maybe for you, you feel like you're right in the middle of it and you're not sure what's next. All of those places, they're not dangerous places, but it's important for us to realize if we stay in those places, they will be detrimental. Because if you're too old to dream, you feel like you don't have anything left, then what are you living for? If you feel like you're too young to pursue what God wants you to do, then what in the world are you doing in the meantime? And for you, maybe if you feel like I'm right in the middle of of the season that, that God wants me in, but I'm unsure what's next, it's awesome that you've pursued God to be in that place. But for you, begin to ask God to reveal what's next for you. So for you, preparing, what do you need to do to prepare to do that? I know for me, I always felt called into ministry, even from like middle school on. I knew that I was supposed to be in full-time ministry. But I wasn't sure what that looked like. And like I said, I went to Bible college and I went, you know, I left my home church and I went to this really nice church and, uh, and began to serve there. And I showed up and I was ready and I'd already had like some experience under my belt because I'm, you know, I'm a pastor's kid and, you know, I know what I'm doing already and all this junk. And so I get there and I'm like, hey, put me to work. I'm, I'm ready to do whatever you need me to do. And they're like, great. There's a pile of chairs over there that I need you to unstack and set them out for everybody. And I was like, mm-hmm, who would you like to have me do that for you? You know, like, I would love to lead someone else in doing that, you know. 
And I realized, like, you know what? This is how it starts. This is how it begins. So I got the chairs, and I unstacked them, and I set the whole room up, you know, and I, they come back in there, and they're like, I'm like, I'm like, you know, I'm done. And they're like, well, you see how the road looks like a snake? And I'm like, yes, <laughs> I do. It's supposed to be straight. Fine. You know, like, all right, whatever. I'll make the road straight. So I go, and I straighten all the rows, and, and I'm realizing as I'm doing this that God's speaking to me that if I'm not willing to serve, in this capacity, then I don't deserve to serve him in the capacity that I really want to. I don't deserve that. So I have to be willing to serve in the areas that I don't want to serve in so that I can do things that I do want to do. So that he can trust me with that. Establishing my character, establishing my work ethic, and my spiritual maturity to say, you know what, this seems like nothing, but I'm going to do it anyway. So as I was doing that, I began to develop a heart for straight rows. You know? And it became important to me, and it still is important to me. And I realize how important it is because, you know, I'm sitting there and I'm thinking, I'm like, well, if the rows aren't straight and they're like me, they're going to be distracted. And if they're a first-time guest and they're distracted and they don't have a relationship with Jesus, that means they're not going to hear from Jesus. And if they don't hear from Jesus, that means they're not going to have, you know, they're not going to be saved, which means they're going to burn in hell. So we got to get the rows straight right now. Straighten them. Everyone, you know, like immediately I'm like, all right, where are we at? Are, they, are there any that are crooked? Can we fix these? And, you know, um, and so I, I develop a heart for this. And I realize that even like the tiniest details matter to God. Those tiny details, they matter to God. Straight rows matter to God, okay? I know that sounds crazy. They matter to God. And so because I was willing to do this, I got promoted to a janitor. <laughs> Straight up. I loved every moment of it. I loved every moment of it. Because I knew every time I was cleaning a toilet, I was doing something for God. I was doing something for God. I went from second chairs for free to cleaning toilets for money. And it was worth it to me. It was worth it. I did that for about a year and a half. You know, and I, and I thought to myself, gosh, well, the toilet's got to be clean because don't even get me started on how a dirty toilet can lead someone straight to hell, okay? <laughs> and trust me, the path's a lot quicker. You know, so being willing to keep toilets clean became a passion. You know, I want to be able to see myself in that porcelain, you know. And and it was, you know, I realized, you know, this is important. And so many people walk by and, and they, you know, they neglect that or may see that job as unimportant. But realizing that it's all a part of the progression to finally realize the potential that God has for you. It's all a part of that. So being willing to do those things that may seem mundane, that may seem monotonous, that may not seem important, but doing them because they matter to God. They matter to God. Preparation is the most important thing that we can do. That we don't just sit around, that we don't just wait on the next season, but we're preparing for what God has next. We're constantly seeing, okay, God, I see where I am now. I see what I'm good at, and I definitely see what I'm bad at. So prepare me to be better in those things. Prepare me to be better in those things. In 1 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 8, it says physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. You know, and as I read this passage, I kind of like, I, I change this out a little bit. And, and for me, I see physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this season and in the season to come. 
So understanding that it's not about just pursuing and trying to be prepared to be better in the next season, but being prepared for what you have right now. Because if all we do is look forward to what's next, we miss the present. So being prepared to do what God wants you to do right now. Do the boring things. Do those fundamental things. The things that are so important to God. And so for you, wherever you are, and the calling that God has on your life, be willing to take that next step. No matter how simple it may be, no matter for you maybe even how scary it may be, but you're willing to say, okay, God, I want to be prepared. I want to be prepared to do what you've called me to do. The last point that we're going to look at is, is a season that many of us dread, is a season of stretching. A season of stretching, stretching our capacity to handle all that God wants to give us. You know, there's many of us that God wants to do more and more and more. But we sit here in this room and we feel like we don't have the capacity to handle anything else in our life. God wants to do more. God wants to do abundant things and we respond with a budget. We say, God, please, I want you to do so much in my life. God, I want you to bless me. I want you to pour it all out on me. I want to do all this. But when God is like, okay, well then here's what I want you to do. And we're like, but God, I don't have time. I don't have, I don't have the space. I don't have the mental headroom to do it. I don't have the talent of what it takes. And so God's trying to do abundant things. And all we do is tell him our limitations. I do this all the time. All the time. God's like, Colton, I, man, I want to do this. I'm like, well, God, I just don't think that I can. There's things that God is wanting to do like in and through our student ministry. And if I just say, God, I, you know, what happens is we see this and we look at it. We get intimidated by it because we just get stressed out by looking at it. It looks like a lot of work. It looks like a lot of time. It looks like a lot of effort and we don't even have all three. And I look at this and God's like, hold on, I, you know, there's things that I want to do here. There's things that I want to change. There's things that I want to make better. And if I just shut the door that he keeps trying to open every time, we'll never progress. In my personal life, in my ministry, in my calling, being willing to say, God, I see what you want to do. Help me to be able to handle more. Stretch my capacity to handle more, to do all that you want me to do. Because I'm a very limited human being, but I'm a human being that you've created. So help me. Stretch me. Give me the potential. Give me the capacity to handle everything that you have. In Mark chapter 7 Verse 8 and 9 says, You have let go of the commandments of God and are holding on to human traditions. And he continued, You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe your own traditions. You know, you can kind of look at this and and you can see what he's saying here. And as I was reading this, I really felt convicted. And God began to speak to me. You have a fine way of setting aside the commands of God in order to observe the way you've always done it to observe the way that it's been done in the past rather than realizing that there's a new way to do things and there's more that I want you to do. Being willing to say, okay, God, I know. I know what we've done. I know what we used to do. How do we change things now? How do I let go of my own tradition, my own establishment of of what I want in my life? How do I get rid of that and be willing to be uncomfortable so that you can do more? For us, we have, to, we have to stretch outside of what we think we can do. But the only way we can do that is if we trust God. 
we can't do more unless we allow him to stretch us, to, to expand our capacity to do more. He wants that for us. He wants us to be able to do more. He wants us to be able to fulfill his calling. But for many of us, we see it, and it seems like it's way out there. It's untouchable, and we'll never be able to get that far. It's intimidating. It seems like a lot of work, and it's stressful. But when we're willing to say, God, I'm allowing you to work in and through me, he can do so much more. He can do so much more than we ever thought we could handle. Our capacity becomes greater and greater every time we trust in him. So we understand and we see that when our perspective is right, it makes all the difference. Because I would much rather go through any of these four things than go through a season of waiting. Because in a season of waiting, we get bored and we do dumb things. We get impatient and we force doors open that God's not trying to open. We do things that we should never have done when we find ourselves in a season of waiting. But I'd much rather be in a season of growing, learning, preparing, or stretching so that I can do what God wants me to do better in the current season I'm in and even more so in the next. And so when I look at this, there's a few things that that we see. When our perspective is wrong, growing just turns into waiting. We become impatient. We force things to happen. That season of learning turns into a season of failing. And all we see are our failures, our screw-ups, the things where we didn't come through, the seasons, the places where we didn't do things the right way, and we just stay discouraged. That season of preparing turns into a season of boredom and mundane, and we get bored with the most basic things of preparing. And the season of stretching just turns into a season of discomfort, and we complain because we feel stressed out, when in reality, we're complaining because God wants to do more. Our perspective when it comes to seasons is so important. The season that you are in matters no matter what the season is because God has created you on purpose and for a purpose. And it doesn't matter the season that you're in. You have to determine what that season is going to be. You have to determine what it's going to be or it will be determined for you. And it will just stay a season of waiting where you feel frustrated There's a few verses I'm going to read here. And as I read these, I I want you to kind of think about the tone behind them. In Psalms 37, 7, it says, Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Fret not yourself over the one who prospers in his way over the man who carries out evil devices. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They mount up on wings, on the wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. James 5, 7, Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and late rains. As I read these verses, for me, it speaks peace, peace, it speaks comfort, it speaks truth, and knowing that if I'm willing to be patient, if I'm willing to wait, if I'm willing to do diligently what God has called me to do, then he will come through every single time. He will provide for me every single time. 
if we look at these verses and we pick out these words, these highlight words that tend to frustrate us, is words like patient, words like wait. They, if we just look at that and we just think I'm in a season of waiting, I'm in a season where I have to be patient, it brings frustration. But in the context of the word of God, it brings peace. It's not just about waiting. It's not just about being patient. It's about doing what God has called you to do diligently in whatever season that you're in so that he can bring the ultimate victory.